Hello everyone, welcome to Vention, where people find passions and passions find people. Today's episode is episode number 14 with Ryan Katrosa for the second time. Uh, so if you did not remember or did not hear the last one with Ryan Katrosa, go back a couple episodes and listen to it. Um, and then without further ado, lights, camera, action! We're familiar with you, Ryan. Are we, though? Not really, but nobody's really, really familiar with you. That's true. You're kind of a mystery to all. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, I've been here before, but um, wasn't exactly what we planned. It was fun, though. No, it was fun. Um, I didn't even know if it was going to actually finish recording because we were like five minutes into recording and then it cut out because of the electrical. Oh, something. yeah, right. Which is actually ironic because that's what we're going to talk about today. A little bit. Yeah. Very fitting. L- electrical bit. engineering. Electrical engineering. Uh, you are uh, going for your bachelor's? Uh, yes. Right now, I'm um, studying for my bachelor's, but uh, I fully intend to if I'm able to get uh, a master's degree and uh, possibly even go a little bit further. Uh, so what exactly do you want to do with electrical engineering? Honestly, that's a great question I don't know the answer to. Electrical engineering is its really useful in our day and age that has a lot of, yeah. um, you know, everything involves computers and circuits. You know, people want to put it in your fridge and they want to put it in your walls and they want it flying over you and driving under you. So it's not going out of style anytime soon, mm-hmm. but that was a lot of stuff I mentioned. Yeah, and, and um, meanwhile, meanwhile, when you talk about electrical engineering, every person that's not an electrical engineer the first thing they think of is like your electrician to come and like help you with like a socket like a a faulty socket or Mm -hmm. light switches that's pretty much all you think about right yeah well um well then let me set the record straight a little bit it's not that that's wrong but um usually that's more of a technician yeah thing so the difference between electrical engineer and a technician is electrical engineers really design it to technicians put it together or install it uh so um Really, that's the that's the main difference. I'm the person that comes up with the technology, and a technician's the one that you know puts the nuts and bolts together, screws it, um, yeah, screws it together, installs it in a, a plane or a wall or a computer. Um, in a majority of electrical engineering settings, is it mostly on computer, or would you say a lot of it is hands on? Ooh, that's a great question. I feel like a lot of electrical engineers like the hands-on stuff, even some of it that technicians do. Mm-hmm. But these days, it's definitely getting more and more to computers. Yeah, you, um, you know, you need computers so much to do things that that you just couldn't do um, as precisely yourself. Yeah, you know, cut the the straight lines or, or go, uh, especially these days, just make things small enough. You know, yeah, our our phones are are so intricate and um, and that's specifically precise. the electrical engineers. Yeah, specialty. yeah, yeah. Most of most of the stuff inside of your smartphone is electrical engineers. The person that designs the case and cuts the holes in it, like you know that nice looking yeah. aluminum shell. Um, that's probably more of a mechanical engineer. Um, the way I like to put uh, 
for those who aren't quite uh, familiar with it is the electrical engineer is what bridges the mechanical engineer who makes things more physical and the computer scientist, which does all the software. Yeah, yeah. So computer science makes the software, they write the code, all the cool images, the you know animations, swipe functions, storing contacts, all that stuff. That's a computer science person. Yeah. The person who um, makes the circuitry, builds the boards that all the components sit on, if you've ever seen inside of a phone, all those black squares and stuff. That's what the engineers do, for electrical engineers, rather. Mm -hmm. And then the mechanical engineer is the one that makes sure it all fits, mills out that beautiful-looking aluminum, makes sure that the aluminum is the right material for it, that it's strong enough, makes sure that you know it will be able to handle the heat of yeah. the phone properly, and that, that everything is in the right uh, the right spot, the right fit, all that stuff. It's basically a massive bridge exactly. between. Yeah, so electrical engineering really does bridge the gap between the software and the uh, the thing you hold in your hand. And mm -hmm. um, and I love being in the middle of it, man. It's, yeah. the, way, it's, the, it's the place to be. It's Definitely. the place to be. And so it literally can pretty much be almost anything. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing about electrical engineers is they kind of do, do both. As they bridge the gap, they kind of do have to know a little bit yeah, of software yeah. and a little bit of the, the physical uh, mechanical engineering yeah. stuff. Um, that, Otherwise, you know, that's when you start getting like the super bulky uh, and not very sleek designs and stuff like mm -hmm. that. That's when you have to like find what what fits well and stuff like that. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Although it's not um, yes and no. Really, um, to get those sleek looking products mm -hmm. that um, you know, function really well and, and everything, it's not. That's not even just the engineering team. But since we're just talking about engineering today, yeah. Um, it's not just the electrical engineer. You definitely have a nice, well-rounded team. Maybe a couple electrical yeah, a couple electrical engineers. Yeah. Um, several computer science um, people on the other end of that, and then at least one or two mechanical electric uh, mechanical engineers to look at the stuff the electrical engineer is doing and, uh, you know, make it work, make it fit um, in the the design. Yeah. So. So you would probably say that it's pretty much like a job requirement for them to be able to communicate with both. And yeah. With definitely. both. Uh, computer science and mechanical engineers like very regularly yeah yeah no um uh, being that bridge means that you you do have to you know n at least know of what the other guys on the team do yeah just so that um that you can talk to them and there is a lot of communication there mm -hmm. you might not be um you might design the button but you don't give the button functionality yeah the computer sciences are the ones that say oh well, this is going to raise the volume but you still need to know where to put it and yeah. you still need to, you know, or if you can your, put it there well, ex or exactly, exactly. And in some ways that's even a mechanical engineering problem. The mechanical engineer could go, Oh no, no, a screw needs to go there. That, that can't work. You got to choose something else. Yeah. And so again, that's being that bridge where someone thinks it up. Ooh, what if it's on the top, uh, top right? And the uh, electrical engineer looks at it and goes, yeah, I think I could make that work. And the mechanical engineer goes, no, I got to have something there. Do you, do you think, that happens like very often, or is it more of a just a design choice? I think that um, that doesn't happen maybe as often as um, as I say. Although, um, again, really for the, for the engineering part of it, usually when you're going that deep into engineering, you've kind of thought through where everything is going to go. Yeah, you might not have a hundred percent of the idea, of course, but yeah. um, but you probably know that um, you're not trying to put three things in the same yeah, spot. Yeah. So that's where a lot of your your design um, team and your uh, uh, you know your outreach um, thinks about it. You, you get a, a storyboard of your product, uh, what it would look like in the customer's hands, and you think through how that should work. Then you drill down a little bit to what the actual design is, mm -hmm. uh, make a prototype of it, and um, and that bridge from 
what would be the best for the customer and what are the features we need, someone will take a look at that and you know, in Illustrator or even on a napkin, they'll, they'll say, this is what it should look like and, and this is how big it is and, and this mm -hmm. is what I see the customer is doing. And then the engineers take that and run with it. Yeah. So pretty much right out of uh, college, what are you like going into? What are you What are you looking at? Like more internship kind of things? And yeah, like yeah. I'm definitely going to be looking at internships. Although um, internships, uh, they're good, but uh, they're kind of situational. Yeah. Um, for me, the, I, I'm hoping the internships will kind of happen um, this summer and next summers for my bachelor's degree. Um, and then definitely uh, some for my master's degree. And there probably won't be a gap in there. Once I graduate um, with my bachelor's, I'll probably that next year um, go into my master's. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, no concrete plan yet, of course. Yeah. But, um, but internships are fantastic because they not only give you um, the opportunity to, to make some money and, um, and pay off the college debt, but the main thing about an internship, the main value that they give you is experience. Yeah. You get to say, I've worked at Microsoft or I've worked at Raytheon or I've worked at this company and here's what I did with them. Here, here's what they let me do. Here's what they showed me how to do. Because mm -hmm. college, college shouldn't just be about knowledge. I know a lot of um, students that walk out and you could give them a math equation or um, tell them to optimize this, you know, computer science thing or, um, you know, what the thermal properties of this material are. And they can give you equations all day. But when you ask them to build something, mm -hmm. they give you a blank stare. Yeah. And so you're like, um, yeah, but you're the mechanical engineer. We hired you to make this part on that machine. And, you know. Yeah, I'm sure they've seen someone do it, but they don't have that hands-on experience. Yeah. That's what a lot of internships provide. You've actually got to use the tool. You've actually designed the board. You didn't just make it as a theoretical concept or, or you know, the theory behind it. You actually did it. You held it in your hand and you tested it to make sure that it worked. Yeah. And, and that's where like you, uh, you, I would say, are like on a different kind of scale compared to like typical uh, electrical engineer students. Because I guarantee that a majority of your friends, had you not tell, told them, they would think that you're a mechanical engineer because uh, because of possibly. all like the the uh, the surface level things that people are seeing and witnessing like you build and create mm -hmm. and you're huge into 3D printing yeah. and all that kind of stuff like you're uh, very easy you'll bridge the the gap right there um, right and, but the fact that you like electrical engineering um, and that you're specifying in that that's that's like a really cool skill to have just kind of like that like seems over and like doubles over right well and honestly that's why i chose it um when you're when you say you're a mechanical uh, yeah when you say you're a mechanical engineer versus electrical engineer mm -hmm. you're kind of limiting yourself in some ways a lot of the people when that are mechanical engineers when you talk to them about it they tell you oh yeah i never want to touch a circuit board or yeah. oh i hated coding things that that was the worst i there's a reason i'm a mechanical engineer i like to i like to pick up a wrench or I like to mill some aluminum, weld some steel together. Yeah. They, they like to do that kind of hands-on stuff. Electrical engineers, though, are typically, they like it all. And, and that's definitely where I fit. And I'm, I'm probably the, one of the, the people that uh, is a, the perfect case in point of um, they like to do the things a mechanical engineer does, an electrical engineer does, and a computer science. Mm -hmm. Basically, I just can't make up my mind. <laughs> and um, so bridging the gap, you have the yeah. most experience in everything. Right, exactly. So by bridging that gap, like you mentioned, yeah, I love 3D printing. It, although that is totally more of a mechanical engineering thing than an electrical engineering thing. Yeah. And I also enjoy programming things. I've, I've been working on making some websites, teaching myself how to do that. Of course, programming a lot of the circuits that I've done. I've done that for a while. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I taught myself how to how to code when I was young just because I enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, really, the the all in all of it is, um, I like you know I stick with electrical engineering, but I branch out more of a personal thing. Yeah. Than than my schooling. Yeah. And and I think I going back to it, I think that's hilarious about what people perceive about electrical engineers. Mm -hmm. They just assume the wiring and uh, components right, and yeah. computer parts and stuff like that. Meanwhile, there's like a lot more uh, imagination and creativity like outside the borders of just wires and stuff like that that is still like a part of the uh, fitting everything together and different things. Right. Well, and I think, uh, especially going back to that, electrical engineers have a very important role in a lot of things because true electrical engineers go from the person that makes this gorgeous 3D render and they're the people that take a look at it. Again, of course, with the electrical, uh, mechanical engineers um, there, I'm going to keep halfway saying the wrong thing the whole night. <laughs> this is going to be great. Uh, no, uh, the electrical engineers will work with the mechanical engineers on a lot of what I'm about to say. But when, like, let's say you have a car yeah. and, um, and they give you this gorgeous interior. Like, think of a, a Tesla or another car that just has this really futuristic or, or fancy interior with um, maybe some light, cool lighting and some, some different seats and a lot of the buttons and maybe a touch screen in a couple of places. Well, the electrical engineer is the one that's got to figure out all that stuff. They, they got to know that, um, well, how am I going to come up with that cool lighting? Yeah, I know you want it to you know, be a, a solid color and of course you want it to uh, be the full red, green, and blue spectrum to where it could be any color you want and um, maybe have some neat patterns, but they're the ones who actually figure out how to make that happen and also make sure that it doesn't drain the battery mm -hmm. and also make sure it doesn't interfere with other parts of the car and, and that it fits well yeah. and also that it won't break apart when there's a lot of vibrations on the car and make sure that it's safe so that you couldn't accidentally touch something that, um, that gives you a shock yeah. and um, to make matters worse, especially on electric cars, electric cars and electric motors produce a lot of interference and um, you know, for, for the people that don't uh, quite understand the full engineering behind it, it'll mess stuff up. Yeah. So um, it'll, it'll cause your, your circuits to act in funny ways and, you know, your lights might flicker or, or do some, um, some weird things. So they got to make sure that everything works the first time and the final time you're going to turn the car on and it all fits. So it's, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes to, to make something look gorgeous, just like that product, that perfect product image wants. Yeah. It's like your fail safe engineers. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that's like a, like a specialty thing? Like say, like, like let's take Tesla into example, like mm -hmm. a, a billion dollar corporation. Right. Um, would you say that there are people specifically tailored to fail safe uh, emergency uh, electrical issue type of things? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every single design. Um, honestly, the, the mark of a truly good engineer is not someone that can get away with making close enough measurements to where it worked. Yeah. True engineering is where you developed an entire system that you know every single thing. Nothing was left to chance. Nothing was guesswork. Yeah. You can, through science and testing, prove that everything that you calculated and everything that you figured out is true. That that motor will have this much power. That car will run for this long. This will be this strong. And if I run into this at 25 miles an hour, it's gonna break in exactly this way, no more, no less, and save everyone's life. 
Yeah. It's it's a hundred percent reliability there. Yeah. And um, you know, sure, not every engineer touches that. For example, there might be some engineers that just take the the spec of that and go, okay, I'm just gonna trust that you got this right and I'll build it or yeah. or I'll program it or um or I'll just put it in that spot that you say if it's in that spot, it'll work fine. Yeah. But truly good engineering is is not just knowing that, you know, in your head it'll most likely work or yeah. that well, I think if I hit it right, you know, there's enough space in here to where everything will be fine. Yeah. It's, nope, I have checked this in every possible way with every possible tool in my engineering toolbox. And then I set up an experiment and I test it. Sometimes that literally means blowing things up, running into things, shorting things out, mm -hmm. you know, all the explosions and sparks that we love to see. Yeah. But the more engineering that you do in the on the back end, the less testing and things you have exactly. to do to like figure it out. Exactly. It's like it's like the whole like uh, space launch. Like whenever you're shooting off mm -hmm. like a, a full sized rocket, it's not like you can test that multiple times. Oh yeah, no. It's, it's like you have to put in the engineering all the effort and everything to the point where you should know everything down to like an exact uh, science. And mm -hmm. if the smallest thing is off, then everything is going. Exactly. And there are, it, it keeps people up at night. It's, you know, not, it's, that's not yeah. a job that's not, just like engineering itself. Isn't, um, everyone's forte. That is again, not every engineer's forte. You know, there, there are people that, you know, in the shower go, Oh my gosh, I need to change this when I get in today because they know that if they didn't, then the rocket might've blown up and they spend hours and hours checking every single thing. If they touched it, they've checked every it five rivet. times. Yep. Every rivet, everything, but, but not just every rivet, theoretical things like, Oh, I put a rivet in there that added weight yeah. or, Oh, I put a rivet in there that might've squished that material. Yeah. Did it squish it to the point where it might've actually changed the properties to so much that I need to rerun my calculations now? Yeah. Like, um, did, did I weaken something by adding this yeah. did, or did I strengthen something to where I might be able to get a little bit more oomph out of something because it can actually take more weight or, or it can, uh, provide more force and stuff like that. They would have tested it multiple times, but mm -hmm. on a, like on a very specific scale, like like right. the, the materials and stuff, they'll they'll test it out the the materials specifically, like under certain conditions. But mm -hmm. in no way, shape, or form could they put it all together and test it out. Like it's sometimes not like you, you can, sometimes you can't. But when I'm I'm when I'm talking about a project like this, like the rock, like a rocket, right? It's like there's no way that you could send it up and just be like, all right, just pull it back down and we'll redo it. Exact no, yeah, absolutely. That's again, that's probably the the gold standard of yeah, you know, reliability. It's a one it's a one shot chance yeah, type it, of thing. It's a one chance where you're literally trusting in, you know, decades or centuries worth of science and equations and and things that people have thought through. Yeah. To where you're using every single thing that you have without actually even testing it once, to where this should work if we did everything right because of this reason. So um, say in NASA, say uh, a team that would put together, like let's say the first rocket, a mm -hmm. um, couple hundred, do you think? Like uh, as far as like the engineers? That's a good question. Um, that that sounds about right. Although um, I really don't know let's the answer say, to Let's say 200 engineers. Sure, yeah. About what percentage of them do you think are electrical? Interesting. Well, again, that always on, depends on the product that you're making. It, yeah. But for that, I'd say uh, certainly uh, a good third of them, uh, maybe more, because a rocket's a very mechanical thing. Yeah. So um, 
but again, there's there's also materials engineers yeah. or um, yeah 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 uh, aeronautics engineers. So uh, to to be honest, uh, the electrical engineering part of that is probably pretty minimal, and and they don't work on the things that you might expect. Yeah, the electrical engineers are really the ones that make the computer systems. All of those um, flight computers and controllers that made the the rocket turn itself into the right direction and um, mm -hmm. engage its thrusters at the, the right times. Those kinds of things. That's what the electrical engineer worked on. Yeah. Uh, but case in point, it's a lot more than you'd ex like right. a normal person would anticipate first time around. Right. Well, and I think the thing, especially for rockets and, and things of that nature, is the electrical engineer is kind of the, the unsung hero in the fact that yeah, yeah. the electrical engineer does all the stuff that people just take for granted. And I don't mean that in, in a bad way. It's more of, well, of course, it should act this way. That's the product. Yeah. So, but, but someone had to figure that out. Yeah. For example, yeah, of course a rocket's supposed to fly itself to the moon. It's a rocket, but the engineers built that. Whereas the mechanical engineers and the material science engineers are the ones that get to go around all the high schools saying, here, hold this tile. It'll you know, put a blowtorch on it and you can put your hand on the other side and you won't feel a thing. Yeah. But, you know, well, had the light switch that, not turned on, right, exactly, then the whole yeah. thing would have gone. Or if it was off by a fraction of a degree, they would have missed the moon. Yeah. Or if the person uh, putting the wires together just knocked out a panel and just didn't put it back. Well, no, just like random stuff like that. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like kind of like on the team subject, like you mm -hmm. have you're still in college. You haven't been like necessarily on a team. But yeah. um, but what do you think like like a, a like an engineering team for like a corporation or whatever like entails? Like what would you be looking at? Well, um, again, the the most common, especially in our day and age, for typical products that you'd buy in a store or you know see in an advert. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those would be mainly your electrical engineers, your mechanical engineers, and your computer science people mm -hmm. um, for the ones who actually built it and uh, and gave you something that worked. And there's like a who's who's like the the dominant role? Who's the leader of that? A lot of stuff today, frankly, is computer science. Most of the it looks cool or it works well is because you get to touch it, you get to interact with it. Mm -hmm. If it's a thermostat, you spin that dial and you um, uh, you press the the buttons and it'll you know tell you what the the, the best thing to uh, to do to cool your home is or, or let you change the temperature. All of that's computer science. They're the ones that um, uh, you know connected that sensor to literally know that you rotated it to actually something changing on the screen and showing it to you. Yeah, I get. I guess it is kind of like. Uh, the 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 scale or the balance is kind of like tipping mm -hmm. towards that direction because it used to be where you would assume that the mechanical engineer was like highly heavy in the mm -hmm. dominant role, uh, making it look cool, design and all that kind of stuff. But now I guess designs are so sleek that you could kind of just look at just like uh like thermostats and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Literally, it's just like a a cylinder. Like yeah, you can mill out a cylinder and just be like, there you go. Yeah, well, and I think the um, the absolute best example I could think of off the top of my head is uh, take a look at smartphones. Yeah. Since 2008, I think it was, with the first iPhone, mm -hmm. what has changed in smartphones? To, like, take an actual look at what they look like. They barely have changed. They have a screen. They have a battery. They have a processor. They have uh, a you know, a touch screen so that you can interact with it. They have some kind of a um, antenna and uh, radio chip in it so that you can talk to your Wi-Fi networks and you can talk to your cellular networks. And um, that's constant. That hasn't changed. That literally has been in every single phone. 
what has been the biggest change is little subtle tweaks, like um, say changing the size of the screen or adding a fingerprint reader or improving the cameras. Yeah. But a lot of that stuff is really just, you know, just an improvement of something that was there in the previous model and the model before that and the, the one before that. The main thing is, and, and what truly is um, able to be adjusted is the software. I can't ship you a new camera and have it pan out very well. But what I can do is send you an update over the air and um, your phone looks totally different. Yeah. Or you know, is a lot more responsive in, um, in particular ways because we optimized some features and removed some stuff that didn't need to be there. Yeah. So I think especially one day, and we're getting pretty close to that, most phones and um, uh, computers, all that equipment, will have a point where the power level or the literally the processing speed of a computer really won't need to get much better. There's just not a point. You won't use much more. Yeah. And I could be wrong because, you know, um, How soon many, many years ago. Uh, sorry, say that again? How soon do you think that will be? Oh, I'm when not we, sure. When we approach the threshold of um, speed. Again, um, I'm not sure because uh, there, there's really two sides of this. One day the processing power could get so good you won't need to upgrade. Um, but then there's a lot of people that... Um, yeah, I can't remember the exact quote or who said it, so I'll just have to um, to paraphrase. But um, someone said that, well, computers right now have a couple of uh, megabytes. Who would ever need more than a couple of megabytes on their computer? Yeah. And um, for those that um, aren't familiar with the uh, sizing of, of different uh, you know computer stuff, megabytes are um, basically a thousand times smaller than a gigabyte, and your phone is 128 gigabytes. So. Yeah. 100,000 times smaller yeah. than, um, than what you have in your pocket today. And uh, many, many years ago, someone said you would never need that much data. Yeah. It's like, uh, I think it was like a long time ago. I want to say early 1900s. Mm -hmm. Somebody uh, was qu quoted in, or, or even 1800s, I forget. But literally they were quoted for saying, everything that has been and needed to be invented has been done. Well, that didn't uh, that didn't quite pan out for no. them. That didn't age very well, did it? But there will always be people that think similar to that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, all these engineers will just continue going. Right. Um, I'm curious. Uh, what's somebody to like? If somebody thought electrical engineering was like interesting and they mm -hmm. wanted to go to school for it, um, what uh, uh, what would what would they expect? What should they expect? That's a really good um, question. And I'll say that it's very different for universities, but ultimately it comes down to, um, you know, really th this is for anything in life in general, but um, it, how much do you want to get out of it? And, um, and I'd, I'd start there. Think about um, why you're going into engineering. For me, it was because I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it so much that um, I learned a lot of stuff before I even started my degree. And, um, and I'd say that when you expect to see things, you'll see classes and, and I'll, I'll, you know, get into that in a little bit here. Um, but to finish this thought, what you'll expect is always dependent on, you know, the amount of effort that you're going to put in. If you really engage with the professors, you really study hard and you just love this stuff, then you'll get a lot more out of it and you'll, um, you'll see a lot more just enjoyment out of it in general. Mm -hmm. For me, I dive into my classes and I, I study hard. You know, that doesn't, I'm not saying you have to study to the point of no social life, 
really what I'm saying is just engage with the class. Engage with the material. Don't start your engineering degree with the mindset of, well, let me just get this out over with and then get to the fun stuff. Yeah. This is the fun stuff, baby. You know, you're you're in the <laughs> the engineering degree. You're learning all the stuff. You're, you're literally learning the foundation of what the rest of your life is going to be built on. And if you don't know it like the back of your hand, then when you get to that job one day, you're like, oh my gosh, I, I know we talked about this, but I don't remember how we did that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, yeah, I remember we built that circuit. And, and oh my gosh, you know, a couple years later, I need that. I really should have paid attention. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it's just... Um, Again, it's just whatever you um, you want to put in is what you're going to get out of it. No engineer that works at NASA that was their first job. What? No worker, no engineer at NASA uh, was that their first job. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Um, there I actually are some. Well, um, I'm saying like on big stuff. Oh yeah, of course, of course. The, I, I think the really what you're looking for is um, no project lead is ever their first job. The, yeah. The, the engineers that really know what they're doing know they're. Uh, engineering inside and out. Yeah, you're right. They they had experience, and not just experience from you know college, but of course from um, from actually working on it. Yeah. And and that's the thing that these people are totally into it. They're not building a rocket for a paycheck. Most of these guys, they're building a rocket because they love engineering, and they just you know ever since they were a kid, they've looked up at the stars. Some of them, you know, you'll you'll hear them talk about, it, especially the astronauts. Or yeah, you know, it's they were inspired to do something, and that's why they're there. Do you get like the um, like the uh, adrenaline rush of when something works, or oh, when totally. you're when you're working on it? Um, I mean, for me, both. But when you're working on something, you know, it can be genuinely frustrating. I have for hours beat my head at a problem. I've had things that have taken me a year to figure out. But when you get that working, the smile on your face can't be beat by much. Yeah. It's just amazing to see something you've put a lot of effort in work and work really well, especially when it's a cool project, you know, one that one that other people will appreciate, even if they're not engineers. Mm -hmm. And so um so definitely that the um the effort in is um pretty uh pretty close to the enjoyment you get out of it. Why should somebody become an electrical engineer? Well, I think that it's because you like building stuff. Most electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, and even computer scientists, they started because they looked at something and didn't want to know um, how to use it as much as they wanted to know how it worked. Mm -hmm. You know, th these are the kinds of people that uh, when they got in the, the car, they, they were looking at the, um, uh, the button that rolls the windows up and down and were wondering just how exactly it went back into the door and then what came back out. What, what was inside of that door? How did that work? Mm -hmm. You know, those the people that took apart their alarm clock a couple of times and you know might not have even gotten it back together, but <laughs> they were like, "Oh my gosh, this is so cool." Those kind of people are the ones that um, you know uh, that should be fascinated with engineering because again, it's not everyone. Most people are content that they push the snooze button and mm -hmm. they get to sleep in for ten more minutes. Other people are wondering how exactly did that time it properly so that. It was exactly 10 minutes, or, or was it exactly 10 minutes, or, um, or whatever the case was. So that's really the, um, the thing. You, you get the, out of engineering, you get the, the satisfy your curiosity yeah. and the enjoyment of building something cool. And those are the kind of people that it attracts. Yeah, definitely. But uh, going back to the question of, um, of what you expect when you get to college, mm -hmm. um, the first thing is, of course, you're always going to have your gen eds. And um, 
you know, you can sleep through your English class. You won't need that too much, but um, make sure that you can spell because there is the classic joke of engineers can't spell. And um, it's not a joke, really, because it's true. And, um, and if you pay attention in English class, you might be able to avoid a little bit of that. But um, then you'll have some, uh, you know, chemistry, biology, that kind of um, classes. And um, you don't have to pay too much attention to that, but um, get through it. Then you'll get your math classes, and don't skimp out on those. Math is going to be the fundamental of your engineering degree. So if, you're, if you want to figure out how things work but don't want to invest the time into the math, then engineering might not be for you because there's plenty of engineering things that you can do without um, getting you know, a pretty good foundation in math. But to be honest, they're most of the people that, that were the technicians I was talking about yeah. where they, they, might, they don't understand the theory of it because most of the time the theory comes with a lot of math. Mm -hmm. where you're, you're plugging in numbers or you're using your equations and, you know, they can be pretty complicated. You know, it, sometimes you can get a calculator in it, but you kind of have to understand what's going on yeah, truly. Yeah. So um, fall in love with math and, um, and it'll take you places. So, um, and again, if, if math isn't your forte as much, look into some of the more technical aspects of it, like getting a technician's um, degree mm -hmm. to where you might not know exactly how the circuit works, but you know how to assemble it and you know how to, put it in where it's supposed to go and to make sure that it's it's going to work right. Yeah. So it's just a totally different field. And, um, uh, you know, the engineers come with a lot of the theory. For, so, um, oh, go ahead. for, for normal people, math is intimidating. So, oh, like, yeah. so like um, comfort people by saying uh, that you don't have to be a professional at math in order to, to enjoy the basics and get better at it. Definitely, definitely. Um, you don't have to be a, a math genius to, um, to get everything out of engineering, but um, there are definitely some things that you might need to understand with math. Yeah. It, it's more of a tool. Math is a tool that, and a skill that you learn that'll help you achieve more things. Mm. And so don't be intimidated by it. Understand that it's just a skill. Start somewhere and, um, and just slowly build up that skill and you'll find that it, it pays back. It's like learning Japanese. Exactly. Exactly. Like you so, said that you were doing. Yes. Yeah. Or still, tried to. Well, still working on that. Um, meeting with a friend on Mondays right now. Getting hey. through. Uh, right now we're in the alphabet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, learning but that's the, the thing. The letters, it's like, it's, yeah. like you don't have to be. In, like you, people look at it at, at languages just mm -hmm. as an example. Yeah, absolutely. And they're yeah. extremely intimidated. Like you absolutely know nothing out of mm -hmm. a complete conversation. Like one of my uh, friends uh, went on his Mormon mission. Uh, to a Spanish-speaking country, right? Uh, and he was extremely intimidated. Um, and it, but it, but it, everybody just has to find that starting point, and eventually you learn the basics, and then eventually the basics build on top of each other, and then once you get get like the the core understanding of everything, mm -hmm. then it kind of just like builds itself. Right. Rome wasn't built in a day. Neither was uh, anything actually. Um, it's. Uh, it's a skill. You have to put the time in and invest in it to master it. Yeah. And, um, and honestly, I, I love the fact that you brought up foreign language like Japanese because math is definitely um, very similar to, and uh, a lot of people will actually call it a language. You're just speaking the language of numbers and, and quantity, sizes of things. And, um, you know, you might not enjoy it. There's other engineers that absolutely love the aspect of math. And again, there's a place for both of them for sure. Yeah. But, um, but the, at the end of the day, again, math is just a tool. Just understand that it's something that you're going to conquer and use from, from then on. And, um, and it's just something in your tool belt. When there's a problem, you'll go, oh, I understand how to solve that. 
you'll solve it and you'll move on to the next thing. And then once you solve it enough times, then you'll become fluent. Exactly, exactly. And you know, it just comes with practice. No, no, don't expect to um, you know, <laughs> do a couple of math problems and go, oh, I've got this for life. Yeah. Come back <laughs> to it. And um, you know, don't, don't expect that much of yourself. Yeah. Um, no one's just that, I mean, unless you're just a, a born genius at math, no one's good enough to remember exactly how they solved something several years or, or you know, several problems down the road where yeah. um, you, know, you just have it and then remember it forever. You got to go back and use it. You know, take I, good notes. Try things again. I've always wondered when genius, genius, like levels of genius, uh, is like a hindrance. Like at what point do people become so good at something that they no longer are creatively inspired in order to try and figure things out and grow mm-hmm. in areas where they're actually trying to accomplish something rather than just say, oh yeah, I can do that and just move on. Yeah, I think that um, for uh, a lot of those, those literally genius level people, they, um, they, they'll never be satisfied with, uh, with their field. Um, I think that um, you, if you gave Einstein another 100 years, he would have been focusing on his theory of relativity and um, you know, a complete uh, theory of everything that, that he was pushing for and just done amazing things with gravity and, um, and you've seen technology uh, improve to, to help him with his field because you tend to kind of get wrapped up in that, that one thing that you're just striving after, literally striving after. It's the one thing you want when you wake up and the, the last thing you think about right when you fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing as much as the consequences of that is you're very good at one thing but you're lacking in other areas. For for a genius, I think the biggest problem is the lack of well-roundedness, which, you know, whether that's a problem or not, I guess depends on your point of view. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, some of the smartest people can't open doors or, you know, walk into things. Yeah. So um, that's um, that's really the, the biggest consideration for um, for me when, when talking about, you know, the whole genius problem. They're phenomenally just gifted genius brilliant at whatever their field is mm-hmm. they might not be able to have a conversation with someone yeah which is difficult especially if you're working on a team and stuff like that yeah yeah absolutely it would almost come to the point where they just want to do it themselves oh and, and most of these people do they they hate interacting with people and they know that they could and genuinely um you know it's build me a tesla car yeah, <laughs> exactly. These are the kind of people that you throw them a problem and they will work night and day with little sleep and not caring about food and, and get the problem done. Yeah. But most, you know, you wouldn't want to interact with a person like that. They're um, just different. Yeah. And, um, and it can prove a challenge. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they got it done and they got it done perfect. So, yeah. But, like, that's not to say that anybody else that just barely understands it doesn't mean that they can't solve the problem Oh, absolutely. Problem absolutely. And that's the thing. It's, um, it's all about when you need the problem done, how you need the problem done, and, um, you know, who you want to give it to. Everyone tackles a problem differently. Yeah. You might want to give it to that genius just because they genuinely, um, their method is what you want. The, the things that they've done in the past, you know, is, is the things that, um, that you've envisioned for your product. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, there's, there might, you know, your, your entire team might be able to, without them, solve it. But it might take them a little bit longer or it might, um, you know, they might accomplish it a little bit differently. But when it comes to them trying and putting the effort in, then once they learn it, they'll be able to reenact it over and over to the point where they'll get on 
that quote unquote genius level for that particular mm-hmm. problem. Right. And like that's it, just experience. They yeah. just have the experience with it. Yeah. And, and that's like going back to what you were saying about like you get out what you put in. Yeah. So it's like you, especially like through college and stuff like that, you should be enacting and practicing these things. You could be yeah. like the furthest from genius or furthest from even like completion. Like what you said, like it took you like over a year. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you could have tons of those projects that will literally take you over a year. Right. But as long as you stick it through and actually finish it, then you actually learn a skill that you could use later. Yeah. Yeah. I know some of the best engineers are um, are not because they're the smartest. It's because they're the most enthused about it, motivated. For yeah. It. Yeah. You know, the... And in some ways, the the person who's motivated will beat the genius level brilliance any day because um, they're the ones that will just keep trying up until the point where they have solved the problem. Yeah. Whereas a lot of genius level people, they get frustrated and they move on to the you know the other fifteen harder questions. Exactly. Well, the harder question, or or even if they have fifteen hard questions, they'll move on to the next thing because they just can't you know sit there and. Uh, accept the fact that they don't understand something, they'll move on to something that they understand and come back to a problem later yeah. because they just need to keep their mind active. Whereas mm-hmm. other engineers are just determined enough to literally solve a problem in every way they could think of. And then when those r- ways run out, they'll talk to someone else and whatever, do what they got to do yeah. in, to get the solution or to exactly. figure out what the thing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like uh, persistency. Exactly. is yeah. like a huge thing with engineering. Persistence is definitely key. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not in, I'm not in the world of engineering or electrical engineers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, I originally wanted to be a mechanical engineer and then I found out that I didn't really like that math that much. Right. Right. Uh, cause I too am like those people that were quote unquote intimidated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't necessarily intimidated by the mathematics behind it, even though that was something that I didn't necessarily see myself doing for long periods of time. Right. But it was more or less the uh, the creative creativity aspect. Had I known electric electrical engineering was like this, uh, uh, in depth as as far as like uh, like the arms that it can kind of mm-hmm. attach to, like communication wise. Yeah, yeah. I I'm sure that that would have been almost more uh, 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 enticing to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely agree. And here's the cool thing about engineering. A lot of people that wouldn't want to do it for their day job have access to it with just a hobby, just doing it every so often in an evening. And that's part of how I started and, and realized I enjoyed it Yeah. because I first started out making things and, and 3D printing things, designing circuits or, or just building, you know, the, the simplest of contraptions and, what are and having it work. Contraptions. So um, I've put together a quadcopter and, and seen that uh, fly around. That was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I've built and, uh, and uh, assembled the 3D printer and then uh, and had it's it make like, a few and it's cool like, objects. Uh, it may not work perfectly to like your expectations, but it's like immediate satisfaction. Exactly, yeah. Well, and, and for me, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so um, it, it gives me another project to, to work on. I'll, I'll get something 90% of the way there, and then I'll know that, you know, this was amazing and incredibly cool. But, you know, I could always take it that 10% more. Yeah. And so I might put in the um, the effort at another time down the road. You built an electric scooter. Mm-hmm. You built a um, finger scanner. 
Yep, electric uh, scooter. I've, I've done some uh, some RFID and, and badge stuff to where uh, like you you scan your fob or, or put your finger on a fingerprint reader. I've assembled some of those just for fun. Yeah. Um, I've made, uh, gosh, uh, there was this little clock project I made to where it'll show you the weather and it'll actively pull the weather from um, a, a web server that's online, a, a free web server service that, that gives you the time and the weather data of your current location. And, um, and that was a lot of fun because that project is another perfect example of combining computer science, electrical engineering, and mechanical engineering. That web server is totally a computer science thing. Mm -hmm. Assembling the, um, the hardware and, and soldering the circuit together is completely an electrical engineering thing. Yeah. And 3D printing the enclosure for it with a sleek um, finish and putting the screws together, making the, the final buttons in the right place and cutting out the holes for it, that's totally a mechanical engineering thing. But by the time I was finished, I had a clock that I could you know, press a few buttons on to set an alarm or to change the location or adjust for daylight savings. And um, it looked sleek and it pulled from the, the active data and I made it look exactly like I want to where I, um, I drew some images for, for a cloudy day or for a sun, for, for the various things that uh, the weather wanted mm -hmm. to display and, um, and got the whole project working. It took me quite a little bit because I was doing this all on my own, but it was such a, a good project for experience to know yeah. how to go from literally ground zero of, I want to build this and then have it working in your hand. Yeah, the more you understand in like all those areas, the easier it is to communicate exactly what people want and how they want it. Right, right. And um, to be completely um, straight up with a lot of the, uh, our audience, that was before I didn't, uh, that was before I had a single electrical engineering class or, or any class in university that would pertain to electrical engineering. That was all things that I found looking online talking to other people that do this kind of stuff for fun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, talking to uh, my dad, who's an electrical engineer. and um, That helps. And, yeah, it helps a little bit having dad, that resource. <laughs> well, but that's the thing. I didn't actually have my dad yeah, build yeah. a single part of it. Now, he helped. No, yeah. And, um, and I had a question for him about uh, some things about it. There was some, uh, some troubles I was having with the button. I wanted the button to um, to connect in a very specific way that uh, I, I won't get into because it's um, a little specific to engineering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, my dad helped me solve the problem. And it was really, really cool because I was um, able to solve the problem. And eventually in my, my engineering career, I'll, I'll come across that and know exactly what it means and um, be comfortable with the, the subject. And especially because I'm sure my professors will go a little bit further than just the a thing that I did with that project. Mm -hmm. So I'll understand what my professors are talking about and then I'll have a foundation to build on where my professors go above and beyond that, yeah. uh, that concept. You further understand it when they're telling it to you. Exactly. But again, this is kind of things that um, YouTube is fantastic and the electrical engineering as a hobby isn't that expensive to get into. And um, anyone in our audience, if they really, if they wanted it badly enough, they could definitely start looking at different things, get a cheap 3D printer, tune it up. And, um, and the best thing about 3D printers um, for me was when I got my first 3D printer, we got a pile of junk. That thing never worked right. So what I had to do was learn how to fix it. How do you learn how to fix it? Well, you can't fix something you don't understand. Mm -hmm. So I slowly started learning. Okay, well, how does the thing that uh, squirts out the plastic work? And well, how do the motors move the 3D printer to where it needs to be. And 
you know, what does the, the software of the 3D printer work right? And how do I make an object so that I could send that object to the 3D printer and it'll make it? Mm -hmm. So the whole process of um, everything from, you know, I want to build this to the 3D printer actually building it, I had to learn. And it was such a good experience. A lot of people, you know, they might be intimidated with, well, that's such a lot to learn. Well, I'd start, you know, I started from scratch myself and I might not have understood everything. Thankfully, today, there's a lot of things that are done for you to where you don't have to, um, you know, you don't have to worry about doing everything yourself. Start out with a piece of software that someone else has already made or start out with a 3D printer that's, you know, been tested by a, a community that you can, um, you know, start off with knowing that you'll probably be able to figure this out with pretty minimal effort and, and get it starting to 3D print your first 3D model. So starting from a point where you're comfortable and, and setting up a goal for yourself. I want to 3D print something and I only have this much time. What should I do? It's, it's really rewarding. And the thing that you can feel good about is knowing that you made a goal and you achieved it and you had some really cool parts out of it. Yeah. Um, where, where would you find most of these uh, communities? I will say um, I don't know all of them. Mm -hmm. For me, I use YouTube. I love looking up something on YouTube, searching it, because I'm a very visual person. Yeah. Other people, they can find a lot of blogs, or if, if they're text-based, uh, they want to read something, they don't want to look at something. You know, Reddit's a, a great place. There's a lot of 3D printing communities to where you can ask questions or see other people's questions. And uh, at this point, that's probably not a question that certainly a beginner would ask that isn't answered by, you know, 10 different forum posts or threads somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, literally just open a Google prompt, uh, not Google prompt, open a Google search engine and type in 3D printing, where do I start? Yeah. Someone has a website on it. Yeah. Someone has made a YouTube video about it. Someone has made a forum post about it that you can start and just literally start from scratch. Say, okay, I don't know what that term means. So then you'll look up what, you know, what does it mean to, to buy this type of 3D printer? Or what does this type of 3D printer mean? What is this company? Do people like their stuff? Mm -hmm. And you'll just go from there. Build that knowledge. Build that um, um, you know, understanding base to where you can get the knowledge you need, get the wisdom to understand um, what that knowledge means, and then put it into practice with some experience. Super cool. Well, anything else you want to mention before we... Well, um, I don't know. I mean, I could give um, just for especially those that are intimidated or those that don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. I'll, uh, I'll just give a short summary of, of how I started and, and kind of what it looked like for me. Go for it. Obviously, this is something that someone might have a totally different experience in. But um, for the record, they might, you know, pull something out of it or have the exact same experience. So, mm -hmm. um, so I started out when I was uh, pretty young because my dad, um, my dad did this kind of thing for a living, and I understood absolutely none of it. Uh -huh. Electrical engineering was, oh hey, that's really cool. And so it just sort of started from there. And really, what was the inspiration was that it was cool, and that I saw circuits and I saw you know cool contraptions, whether it was on a sci-fi um, TV show mm -hmm. or um, or whether it was something that my dad brought home or was working on. And I just knew that it was something I wanted to do. Yeah. So I just started out um, and I was kind of like, well, what do I, what do I do? How do I start? And for me, I literally went to Home Depot and got some light switches. 
and some AA batteries and then ordered some um, light bulbs and some LEDs online. And I built the most simple circuit you possibly could to where I turned on uh, a light on and off with a switch. And I was like, ah, this is awesome. And then I kind of didn't touch it for a little bit. What I did was I actually moved on to making video games as every good 11 year old likes. And, um, and that was really, really cool because I had no idea just what skills I was learning and how important they would be later down the line. Mm -hmm. I just thought, hey, cool video games. What I started off with was 3D modeling things. And um, this was around when I was 10 or 11, just because um, I saw it online and I thought it was cool. I, uh, I used Blender 3D and started off making my first 3D models and um, went from a cube to maybe a house or a car or whatever it was. And of course, at first I sucked, but I put in a couple of years of practice and eventually got to the point where um, you know, I, I learned uh, a couple of things and then learned more things and then made some really cool looking 3D models and added some color to them. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I was like, oh, cool. So I have a house that I could run in now for my game or um, I could, you know, 3D model a, a forest or whatever it is. And then I was like, well, how do I do anything with it? And I started out in Unity 3D after that. And um, after that, uh, you know, bringing in the, the 3D models to that game engine, I was like, well, how do I make it do stuff? And that's where computer programming came in. Little did I know I would be using that for the rest of my life. And so I remember distinctly, it was the, um, my brother went to uh, one of his soccer games with the rest of my family. And I made a sandwich and I opened up in Unity 3D, one of the, the first um, projects I was starting on, and I watched a video called um, Your First 3D Game in Unity 3D. And I followed the programming tutorial and some of the very simple things that they did. And that was the first experience I had programming something. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I just stuck with it. And I kept going and kept, uh, it kept making sense and then not making sense. And I learned another skill and then another skill. And then eventually a couple of things that I had no idea about you know, would connect. And so at that point, it was really, really cool. But it was still just computer stuff. And that's the computer science part of the, the bridge. Mm -hmm. and, um, and my dad at one point sort of talked to me about this thing called a 3D printer. And you know, when it was first mentioned, I had no idea what it was. And, and then when he explained it to me, I was like, wait, you can just make stuff? Well, what would I make? What, what would I do with it? And then we got one and I just couldn't stop using it. Mm -hmm. And then of course, again, like I said, it broke and then I would fix it. And then I'd make a couple of things and it'd break in a different way and I'd fix it. And, and that was the mechanical engineering part that I had no experience in before. Except not really, because little did I know that that 3D modeling feature, uh, 3D modeling features and, and parts and objects would totally come in at that point with 3D printing because I could make a part and then actually physically print it and hold it in my hand. Go from an idea to an actual design to then an actual part. And so I was pulling from knowledge and stuff that I, I didn't even think I'd use ever again. And, and it was just fantastic. So after, at that point, my dad just kind of introduced to me these things called microcontrollers. And essentially they're tiny computers, just like you'd think about your phone to where you can program it to do stuff. And I got my first one of those and I was like, oh, this is cool. What on earth would I do with it? And then I realized I could connect buttons to it or a display to it. Or I can make it, you know, have sounds or control motors or, you know, do basically anything I could think of. And I'm like, oh, well, that, only that. Great. That, that's a lot of stuff. 
And so I was like, well, how do I actually make it do that? And that's where that computer programming that I thought I'd never touch again came back in. And so I would upload the program to it and I'd see it work and I'd connect some components to it and that's the electrical engineering side, you know, connecting that light and uh, connecting those batteries. Again, all the way to the stuff I started with. And, and it really came together at that moment. I could 3D print something for it to sit in. I could program the Arduino and connect stuff to it. And, uh, and then I could have it, you know, do whatever I wanted to use all three of those skills all in one. And it was just this journey that, that I really had no idea what it was going to become because I wasn't even looking at it as a journey. I was looking at it as, I want to do this cool thing. And, you know, not giving it a second thought or I'd be frustrated with it and then come back to it a little bit later. So that's kind of my story. And I've known a ton of people that do this when, you know, they were really young, like, like me when I started doing this at, you know, seven to 10 or, you know, some people start in their late thirties because they see this and they're like, wait, you mean to tell me that I could figure this stuff out after enough time? And they just start out and, and they just love it. Super cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it was a lot of fun. Electrical engineering does sound awesome. It is we pretty awesome. We need electrical engineers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, if you want your, um, uh, your technology to keep advancing and um, us to be not back in the Stone Ages, we're, we're kind of going to be just there. About to say that. Oh, I, <laughs> yes, I stole your joke. Nah. Well, anyways, uh, so be creative and uh, enjoy not knowing things. Yes. Because it, yes. it, it, it shows growth. And it shows that there are problems to be solved and that there are answers to these problems. Yeah. Super cool. Well, again, thank you very much. Uh, listen to the previous episode for all of those out there with Ryan Catrosa. Um, and uh, till then, thanks again. Yeah. Enjoy, guys. Thank you.